Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our Bold Conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to Him are radiant. We are in this series uh, that we're calling For the City, and we're uh, looking at some big themes in the book of Acts. And so this is written by Luke. And so this is like his second version. He wrote the Gospel of Luke, and then he wrote the book of Acts. And uh, we're looking at the early church. And the idea is, is as we come out of this season in the Psalms, uh, my dream was that we really would get our eyes off of ourselves and get our eyes on others and get our eyes on the city. And so um, we're looking at some themes in Acts. Last week, we talked about the power of God, Acts chapter one, verse eight. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, all Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then today we're gonna talk about being the people of God and relationships and community. So if you have your Bibles, go Acts 114. We'll go there. We're gonna do a lot in Acts one and two. Let's pray together. Father, we love you today. And we ask in Jesus name that you would help us Lord, look like a radiant city in Kansas City. Look like a radiant church. Be a light to our city. God, we ask, Lord, that you would help us to not just see our own struggles, our own need, our own bank account. Lord, help us to see people. Help us to be people that see like you see. Open up our eyes, we pray. God, I thank you for every person that's here, every single person that's online and engaged today. Lord, we ask that you would do a supernatural work today. Not what we can do, not even our own intellect, but supernaturally, we pray, Lord God, for your presence, your revelation. Help us. We honor you. We love you. And everybody said, amen. So happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. We are uh, celebrating you. I love Father's Day. Uh, great time. My dad is in the house. He's on the second row. Happy Father's Day to my dad. And I love you. <laughs> Those of you that have been at Radiant for very long, you know that uh, about, um, I have about 75 illustrations about my dad. And so uh, today I'm going to try to not uh, do an illustration about my dad. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to start off with an illustration about uh, one of my best friend's dads. Uh, uh, actually, next month, uh, our dear friend John Egan is going to be here and lead worship. Um, and so that's going to be a fun Sunday. I'm not going to tell you which one. Uh, <laughs> you'll have to figure it. No, I might. Anyway, um, but John is a dear friend of mine. And we uh, served in ministry together for a long time. And in about 2002, uh, his father came to Colorado and we connected. And his dad just started telling me, David, I was 25 you know, and he was just like, David, you so great. David, you awesome, David. And he was taking me out to eat. And I was just like, this is awesome. He thinks I'm awesome. And I just kind of fell in love with John Egan's dad. And so then he said, hey, I heard you preach to the youth group the other night and we, the, the, our church needs to hear you. I'm telling you what you carry. We, our church needs to hear that. And so, and so he owns a business in New York City and he lives uh, just outside in New Jersey. And so he flew me out. I was 25 years old and, and I, I flew to his church and uh, spoke there. He took me downtown New York City. He like showed me the city. He gave me like just... Just a tour and grilled me about the boroughs, talked to me about the Yankees. I mean, I was falling in love with like, like thin New York style pizza. And I was like, I was loving, I was, his name's Jack. I was loving Jack Egan. I was, and then, and then I preached and he, and he just said, oh, oh, I just love it. And this is so good. And he introduced me to his, the rest of his family. And, and I'm just thinking, <laughs> wow, wow. I, I am tight with Jack Egan. Like I have a friend in New York city and 
And then a few years later, we went and did an event there and we had the Desperation Band go. And when we got there, all of the guitar players and the drummer, they were all best friends with Jack. And then, and then I, I, I came back years later and, and did this men's breakfast. And I'm standing outside talking to all these and there's a line of people waiting to talk to Jack. And it turns out Jack was leading the men's ministry. And then the guys that took me to the airport were two guys that were 30 years old, both with wives and small children. And they both worked for Jack's company. And the whole way to the airport, they're talking to me about, oh yeah, Jack Egan, here's how he led me to Christ. Here's how uh, Jack Egan is a great employer to work for. Here's how he, he's helped me love the Bible. Oh yeah, he, Jack Egan, he told me about worship. And I, 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 it, it dawned on me, you know what? It's not that I was awesome and Jack found me. It's that Jack is awesome. <laughs> it's that somehow Jack was creating a community of people by loving and serving everybody around him. So people in his business were blessed. So people in his church were blessed. So even the, the, the guy that worked with his son in a distant land was blessed by his life. Another one I want to tell you about is my friend Lane. He's actually one of the overseers here at our church. And Lane is a pastor in Alabama. And Lane, before he became a pastor in Alabama, he was a tow truck driver in Colorado Springs. And so uh, Lane uh, has since... 2001, done a young adult small group on Monday nights in his house without fail for 19 years. And so Lane has been leading young people in his house, over feeding them, hanging out with them every Monday night, different people. He changes it up every year. So there's 19 classes of small groups in his house. So if you go to any youth conference, there is a line of people waiting to talk to Lane. 19 years later, those people are 40 years old now and they love Lane. It's like a show. Everybody loves Raymond. Everybody loves Lane. Like, and, and in fact, if you, uh, he's a race car driver. So uh, he, every single year, uh, he, he was born into a, a family that loves to race cars. And so he's, um, he, he races up and does the Pikes Peak Hill climb every single year in June. And, and so one year I went with him and so we got there. I met him at the bottom of the hill at about 4.30 in the morning. It was dark. It might've been 4 a.m. It's pitch black. We, got, we went uh, to the top of Pikes Peak, uh, or not to the top, to like the middle area where they're gonna race up. And, and there is a community of people up there. It's like a whole nother world. And, and, and Lane does a chapel under a tent before the sun comes up for race car drivers, mechanics, like this whole community of people. And I saw the same scenario with Lane that I saw at the youth conference where there is a line of people after Lane finishes his little talk, a line of people waiting to talk to Lane. Or you go to a, a pastor's conference and he's been investing in church planters like this church. In fact, nobody came and helped us like, how can I help? What can I do? Like Lane Schranz, when, when, when the Lord called Renata and I to plant Radiant Church, he was the first one to say, what can we do? Let's get it done. Let's come on. How can we help? Let's... And, 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 and I, I look at that because I see now at pastor's conferences, youth conferences, or on Pike's Peak with a bunch of race car drivers and mechanics, lines of people waiting to connect with, talk to Lane. And I, I just give you those two illustrations, whether it's a business owner in New York City or a tow truck driver dash race car driver dash pastor, Lane, who has more community, just an abundance 
And I think that the reason is because instead of trying to find community, they've built community. I think we live in a culture where the temptation is to go try to find the people that like what I like and ultimately will champion me. Ultimately will be the group of eight or 10 people that think I'm great. And by virtue of being in relationship with them, they will further my cause. But when we look at Christian community, it's not about me finding people that match my mission. It's about me going on mission with Jesus and laying my life down for others. And then this is the moment where you get, and all these things will be added unto you, where you look up and you lay your life down for others. You become community instead of trying to find community and you'll watch. There will be people that you're in relationship with. There will be people that know you and love you. Temptation is for it to be just like the junior high cafeteria where you're looking for the cool people, where you want to be associated with the cool people. But what we read in Acts is a different way. What we read in Acts is people that lay their lives down for others, people that walk in community, become community, look like Jesus in community, and become, honestly, a whole different kind of community, a Christ community. So instead of an individualistic, materialistic community that's all about me, instead it's, it's, it's a people that are filled with the presence the power of God. And because of that, I'm serving. I'm laying my life down for other people. And then you watch. Not only do you start to enjoy serving, taking care of people, but there's, there's, there's not a shortage of people that are grateful and you're in relationship with. And, and I, I see that today, present tense, in Jack. And I see that in Lane. And I wanna, I wanna ask the Lord to do that in us because I think we're living in a time right now where it is so tempting to be isolated, where it is so tempting to, to uh, I think that things are a little bit toxic in our culture. And it's very easy to disagree with other people, try to find my tribe and become isolated. And I think like never before, this is our moment to lay our lives down, spirit-filled, empowered by God to love, serve, take care of other people. And I think you'll see an increase of relationships. I think that we have, there's about 40% of Americans feel like they are lonely and isolated. That's a lot, that's a big chunk. And so what happens when, instead of my life being about my mission, my life, like we read about the apostles, who Jesus fundamentally shifted their lives to where they end up being the ones who proclaim the gospel and the community of faith is formed. And I think we've got a lot to learn from them today. And I wanna look at two different things. I wanna look at some community that exists within the apostles' relationships. And then 3,000 people in Acts chapter two are added in one day. And suddenly you've got a big church. And Luke gives us right here in Acts 2.42, a little window into what community looks like. And I'm gonna add all of them up for seven examples <laughs> of different ways that we can do community life together. And when you read Acts 1 and 2, there's a whole lot of different things that you could do with it. There's a whole lot of different ways that you could go. And I love all those ways. And last week we talked about power and I did a series a couple years ago on the Holy Spirit. And as I was praying this week about this Sunday, I just have on my heart relationships. I have on my, on my heart us being intentional and even sacrificial. Because the way that those examples that I told you that those men created community or became community was that they were self-sacrificial and they invested their lives in other people. 
They laid down their life and served and loved. And then lo and behold, you look back and there's so much blessing. And that's my dream for us, that we would not live with a community mindset that our culture often creates, which is I'm gonna be in community that I want, that I choose, and I'm gonna search for it. And when I find the people that like me, celebrate me, champion me, then I'll engage there. But instead I'm gonna be filled this is the Acts 2 idea with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to be what Jesus has called me to be. And I'm gonna lay down my life for other people. And then you look up and lo and behold, there's Christian community forming all around you. And so Acts chapter one, verse 14, I want you to just to start off right here because this is the easiest one. Right here, we see the word together. And this word together is one that Luke likes to use. He uses it frequently in chapter one and two. It says this, they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. I just want you to see that here is the first example of a way that you can form in Christian community. One of the best things that you can do is be like the apostles and do what they did and gather constantly together and pray. So I think whether that's your family that forms some, some, some prayer or whether that's a small group or that's leading something at the place where you work. But if you will gather with saints, if you'll gather with some, some friends or some brothers, and even what we read here is that prayer is the substance of their gathering. So a lot of times prayer might be a small thing that we do while we gather. I wanna invite you to think about, could it be possible that a gathering where the substance of what we do is to pray together? And what happens when you do that, you'd be surprised how quickly community forms when you go to God together. So there's community that can form by doing something else together. But it's amazing how quickly it grows when you're listening to what's going on in somebody's journey and saying, let's take this to God together. One of the things that you experience is an increased faith in God. Sometimes in this, in, around community, you'll be around people that possess faith when you feel weak. And so you feel like, I, I'm struggling, I'm hurting, but you see the, the person in that prayer group and in the midst of their crisis, their financial crisis, their relational crisis, they're going to God and they've got faith and when you feel weak, it's almost as if that person who's moving forward towards God helps carry you. And one of the great things about community is that when we gather together, when we see and work and see, pursue God together, there's the presence of God. There's God at work. We see spiritual vibrancy. Jesus actually said that in Matthew 18, 20. He said, for we're two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. So one way, one example that we read here in Acts 1 is to gather together in prayer. Look at this second one. So this is the great moment. This is Pentecost. This is the chapter where we read about the coming of the Holy Spirit. People are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, filled with, filled with the Holy Spirit. And I, wanna just, I want us just to freeze frame though in verse one, because it says this, and when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. There's that word together. They're all together in one place. Just interesting. Just interesting that Luke adds this again. So he just said that they were praying together. Now they're all together again. I just want you to picture all these disciples that have been given the mission from Jesus. I want you to wait. You, I want you to go wait in Jerusalem. And now they're in an upper room. They're waiting. And most scholars think this was a house. 
And so many times in, a, in, in a first century like this, you would have the lower rooms of the house have walls and support an, a room up high where more people could gather. And that they're all waiting, gathering together, doing life together. Not really sure exactly what they're doing. There's some degree of waiting or what, what does it mean that they're waiting? But, but here it is, Pentecost. And so this would be a, a Jewish holiday. And there's three different ones. Uh, so Passover would be what they would celebrate. And Passover, well, the first one was when they would celebrate the, uh, when, when God rescued them and pulled the Jewish people out of Egypt. And so that moment where uh, Moses goes before Pharaoh, you remember the story and says, let my people go. And on the last plague, the angel of death uh, passes over the Jewish houses that had blood over the door and they were rescued out of Egypt. And so they would celebrate the Passover They would gather together. And just like we would have a holiday where we will celebrate, they would celebrate God pulling us out, sovereignly taking us out of Egypt. And then they would celebrate Pentecost. And Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. And this is where they would celebrate when Moses received the law on Mount Sinai. And so this would be where they would celebrate receiving that. And that's the reason for this gathering and why all these people were in Jerusalem in Acts chapter two. Third one is the Feast of Tabernacles. And that's where they would celebrate when they were in the wilderness, God taking care of them in the wilderness. There was once a time where we were tabernacling, where we didn't have a promised land. We didn't have our own land, but then God gave us, he brought us into the land and they would celebrate that. This one here in Acts two is Pentecost. And here they are waiting. Here they are together And that's the environment where we see God supernaturally work and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And I just want you to see, I'm just gonna call that doing life together. We don't know, uh, we don't know all that took place in the upper room. Certainly there's a lot of prayer going on. Certainly there's a lot of worship going on. But in addition to praying together constantly, this has has the idea that they're just, they're, they're together. They're doing some life together. Keep going in verse four. This is a fun one because I see, I'm just picturing if you're Peter, James, John, and Philip, and Thomas, and Matthew, and, and you've been trained by Jesus for three years, and, and then Jesus commissions you, and he tells you to wait in Jerusalem, and now it's Pentecost, and you're waiting on God, and boom, Holy Spirit comes in power, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is the next, this is, this is the next one I want you to see, because now they, they do some ministry together. A whole lot of things we could go here, could talk about here. I'm I'm highlighting today the relationships. I'm highlighting today the the togetherness because I just want you to see that then now they step into doing ministry together. All of them were filled, verse four, with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I just want you to see this moment where they're ministering together and it's a supernatural moment. And Jesus has told them, hey, listen, you're gonna receive power and you're gonna be my witnesses. And here in this moment, people, Jewish people have gathered for this holiday of Pentecost. And now all of a sudden they're declaring here in chapter two, it says they're declaring the wonders of God. And so here you are, you're the guy, Peter, that had denied Jesus. And now you are supernaturally being used by God to not only preach a great uh, expository message, but now you're with your brothers and you're declaring and people are hearing it in their language. It's supernatural activity. It's God at work. And I just want you to think about here they are ministering together. And I see this as yet another beautiful example of doing life together in a way that's far, far more fulfilling than doing life on your own. And I I think that we live in a culture where we're told to go pursue fun and pleasure or even play together. 
And I like playing together. I was just talking to one of my uh, friends from high school yesterday. And uh, so he was asking me, it's been 25 years uh, since we graduated from high school. And so we were just catching up and he lives in LA. And and so uh, I was telling him a little bit about our church and me. And I said to him, I said, yeah. He said, so how's Renata? I said, Renata's doing really, really well. And I said, she's, she's amazing. She's like systematic and she keeps us in line. And, and I'm kind of, you know, trying to throw parties. And, and he goes, of course you're throwing parties. That's all you've ever done. He goes, in high school, he goes, you were the life of the party. The, the, the only person that wasn't drinking, but the life of the party. I said, what's up, baby? Yeah. It's just kind of, I, I, love, I love to play. I, lo- I love to party. I'm not, I'm not dissing that. But I do want to tell you this. If you're Peter, James, and John, and Philip, and Thomas, and these guys, and you're, you've been trained by Jesus, and now you've been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and here in just a moment, we're going to re- read that 3,000 people were added to their number that day. I want to invite you to the fulfillment that takes place by standing with your brothers and fulfilling God's call on your life by standing with your peers and God using you to supernaturally see the church get launched. Far more fulfilling. And it's fulfilling then. And I just want you to imagine what does it look like for you today? Because there is a realm of doing ministry together. There is life in, I, I, I see it, I see it in our city. I see people that have a vision to go make a difference in the heart of Kansas City, people that want to go reach the hurting, people that want to reach the sick, people that want to reach the poor, people that want to reach the lost. And they possess more delight and more joy than just going to yet another movie again, than just doing just something that's about me and my mission. When they get the mission of Jesus in our city or even the nations, the fulfillment is far greater. And I love, uh, as I was just reading this, there was a phrase that stuck out at me this week, and it's in verse 13. It says this, that not only did they do ministry together, but they stood together. I just want you to see it. Because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a preacher's kid, and I'm a, I'm a Bible student. I'm a, I was a youth pastor for 20 years. And so I have heard this text taught so many times. And most of the time when I hear this idea in this moment, where the people responded to the spirit-filled apostles and said, they, they must be drunk. I've almost always heard a joke right there, right? Oh, it's five o'clock somewhere. Sure. I mean, all those things, my, my whole life, I've heard a joke right there. But as I was praying over this text this week, you know, I just was trying to put myself in the moment, Pentecost, you've been trained by Jesus, and now you're supernaturally speaking. And Jesus said in Acts 1-8, you would be a witness. And now I'm a witness. I'm actually walking in my calling. I'm doing what Jesus told me to do. Jesus told me that we'd be persecuted. Jesus told me it'd be hard. I mean, I literally watched him tie on the cross. And and, and now I'm, I'm starting to step into this witnessing reality that Jesus has told me to live in. And there's mockery. Uh, They must be drunk. They're crazy. Undoubtedly, there's reception from some, but this whole they're drunk thing, it's, it's, they're mocking them. They're saying they're nuts. And I just had this phrase stick out to me in Acts 2 this week that said, some, however, made fun of them. So I was just thinking about that the disciples had already experienced that with Jesus, right? Like they were there. Luke actually records, he uses this exact same phrase where he says in Luke 8, that when, the, when Jesus said that the little girl is not dead, she's only sleeping, it says they laughed at him. And so I was just thinking, the disciples, they've, saw, they've seen Jesus respond to this before. 
They've heard Jesus say, Matthew 5, blessed are you when you're mocked for my name's sake. And then here's this phrase, they stand together. Look at this. Some, however, made fun of them. They have had too much to whine. Then Peter stood up, and this was the phrase, just this prepositional phrase right here, with the 11. I hope that's a prepositional phrase. With the 11. (laughs) We're not as the English major. Is that a prepositional phrase? Okay, all right. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say to you. I just... I just, I just picture, I don't know, for some reason in my head, even in the movies when I've pictured, when I've seen it, I've always pictured, you've got, you've got Peter's message right here. And so I've just kind of always pictured what we have right now, one person standing and everybody listening. But here where you've got this moment where Peter's standing, he stood with the other 11. Now we know this is in, the, in chapter one, it's not Judas, Judas is gone. This is now Matthias and that's the, the one that took Judas's place. But he's standing there, but Matthias had been with him the whole time. And so here he is, he's standing there with his, with his, with his friends, with the other apostles, with the sent, these sent apostles, these witnesses. And just imagine you're getting mocked, you're, you're drunk, you're crazy. You, I just imagine this moment where they just, they stand with Peter and they're just with him. And I was just picturing about, I just, I think that's going to be a part of our experience as a church. I think that there's going to be these great moments where we pray together. And I think there's going to be these great moments where we do life, do some life together, hang out in the upper room together, be together. And then boom, Holy Spirit comes on us. And there's some moments where we're doing this ministry life together. And we're saying, yeah, making a difference in our city far surpasses anything else that I could come up with my own, making a difference in our nation, making a difference in the world. That's, 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 that, that's, that's where I find some life. That's where I find some joy. I, I, there's a lot of fulfillment in that. I'm not saying it's all easy days, but, but doing something that makes a difference, that's, that's got some delight in it. And then just quite probably, like Jesus warned them and us, there's those that laugh. Really? You have that amount of dollars and you're gonna, you're gonna invest something in the kingdom? Of God. You're going to do what with church? You're going to do what with another? You got this amount of time and you're going to invest what on serving? You're going to do what? You know what you could do. You know who you could be. You could build a community of people around your own mission. You could build a community of people that help you accomplish your goals. You could build a community of people that applaud you. But that's different than the community of faith. It's our mission is around Jesus. That's different than the community of faith. Community of faith is a little different. It's tapped into a supernatural power. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Those things, that doesn't fulfill me. Like, I'm a conduit. I've been filled with the Holy Spirit, and now my desires are different. In fact, I want to see a community of people that live so differently that the people around them go, jaw dropper. What is it about you? That's what happens here in Acts chapter two. You have the disciples and they step into this fulfillment of being what Jesus had told them to be, Pentecost. And then, then it says that 3,000 are added to their number. And I just think it's amazing there in verse 11, or, or, sorry, verse 41, where it says, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's a great day in church. 3,000 people gathered. Oh, imagine the fulfillment. Remember, hey, James, hey, John. Remember when we were listening? Remember when we were walking with Jesus? Do you, do you remember that moment in John 20? He breathed on us. 
He, he, remember, remember where he told us right before he ascended, we were gonna be witnesses? We're doing it. Like, like I don't even, I don't know how those people understood, but they understood. Now thousands of people are added. It's not, it's not done. Jesus is still building his church. And there's moments where we go, how, what, wait, did you, is God, are people being added? Yeah, no, yeah. God is still at work, uh-huh, supernaturally. So it's not just through our own earthly efforts, it's there's God at work through his people and we're conduits of his grace and spirit to people, yeah. And then here, 3,000 people are added and boom, now it's a lot of people. And Luke just gives us just a little window and he keeps just like a battering ram hitting this idea of that they're together, that they're not in isolation, they're together. Look at this in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone, so this is now 3,000 additional people. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All of the believers were together. There's that word again. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. This is countercultural. Every day, every day, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Most scholars think that, they, uh, that that's plural because there were suddenly so many people that multiple courts to contain them. So they, they didn't just gather in the temple courts, but then they went to their houses. They broke bread in their homes and ate together. So there's another together. So they did life together and they hung out together and they ate together. And then I just want you to see this phrase, with glad and sincere hearts. So you could say happiness and authenticity, or you could say glad, I mean, enjoyable, enjoyable and sincere, praising God. So that's who, what they're praising God. And this is an intriguing language and enjoying the favor of the people. So people see them and there's favor. They look at them and they go, wow, those Christ followers are different. Those Christ followers give to one another, do life together. And they're enjoying the favor of the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved, daily saved. So when you think about people being saved, here's a picture of people that are so looking like Jesus, doing life together, that people favorably wanna get all in. They just go, I see it. I see Jesus in that community. Sometimes I think that we think the only way that people will know Jesus is for me to just Facebook blast them. Or maybe if I go preach at their house, those things are fine. I'm not, but I, I think we got biblical precedence right here in Acts 2, where when they see the life of God and the way that you treat other believers, they go, that's, that's favorable. That looks enjoyable. That looks awesome. The way that you serve those people, the way that you love other people, the way that you have other people over, the way that you do life together, that looks like life. There's a lot of, a lot of togethers, a lot of being together and praying together and giving together and <laughs> even eating together. 
standing together. That's one of my favorite moments. I've had a few moments like that where I've been made fun of and somebody just comes and just, I'm standing with you. Mm. I just want you to even think about in your own mind. I'm giving you just these seven ideas in Acts 1 and 2 of just examples of ways that you can not live where I try to build a community around me, but where you can take a step in investing in a life of community around Christ. Oh, I could pray together. I could, I could, I could sacrificially help somebody else out and serve other people. And, and in the process of it, the fulfillment far surpasses anything that the world has. Jesus actually said in Matthew 5, he, calls, uh, he says that we would be like a city on a hill that gives light, a city on a hill. Many people want to kind of, I'll do the Christian thing on my own, right? Like we're, we're living in a time where there's many people that are saying, I'm, I'm post-church, still pro-Jesus, but I'm post-church, I'm done with that. I'm offended, I'm, or I don't see the need for it, or I'm wounded. They want personal relationship, pretty common in individualistic society, but I don't wanna do church life. Here's the reality. Jesus is the one that said, I'll build my church. And Jesus is using his church today in 2020. And you can't be a city on a hill by yourself. I mean, pretty hard to just be by myself. I am a city. No, you're not, right? <laughs> the only way you can be a city is when you're working with other people. Timothy Keller says that the way that churches work is that we're like a city within a city. So at the deepest level, you have the values of Jesus. And then you, you look the most at your core like Jesus. One layer out, you're, still, you're in the city for the sake of the city, but there's a, there's a city within the city. So I know this is a lot of using the word city, but it's like the idea of a radiant city within inside Kansas City. So it's like we got the values of love, pray, serve, give, take care of each other, love one another, sacrificially invest in each other, on the inside at our core. Out here, we look like Kansas City. Go Patrick Mahomes and eat barbecue, what's up? I mean, we look like Kansas City. And yet at, at the very core, as people see that who you are has been transformed and that you're a part of a people that are on mission with Jesus rather than your own mission, then they go. Can I be added daily? <laughs> Can I, I like, I like, I like that. I, 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 I want to be loved like that. I want, I want what you got. David, how on earth do I live that way? It's supernatural. That's what, that's what Acts chapter two is. Filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, I was talking to a pastor this week and he said, David, I'm not like, he said this week, he said, David, if I was not spirit filled, I would quit. The only way I haven't quit is that I'm spirit filled. I need God and God keeps me going. But if you have supernatural life inside of you, you have God at work on the inside. Holy Spirit takes up residency in you. And the, the context of Acts chapter two is the power of God through you. That's the most attractive thing. That's the thing that the whole world goes, oh, I, I, want, I want that, I need that. And that's the thing that will sustain you. Your own strength, I'm gonna try to be nice to people. I'm gonna try to invite people over to my house on my own strength and feed them. Good luck with that. <laughs> I'm gonna give 
I'm gonna, no, no. And on your own strength and time, you will punt and say, I am done with church. But you have supernatural activity going on on the inside. You have God at work on the inside and you watch. You love people. Kind of do some life with people. Pray together, eat together, serve together, give together, love together, wait on God together, be together. I'll just close with this. We're in a time right now where it's so tempting to divide. You believe this, I believe this, I'm mad at you. I'm irritated. You didn't handle this right. Your political view, you, and it is tense. And I just wanna remind you, and I know you know this. Jesus said in John 10 that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And we have, we only have one enemy. One. Paul says in Ephesians 6, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the prince of powers of darkness. So the enemy comes in and goes, ooh, if I can get them to believe that, to fight against each other and that they have enemies, then I can win. So when you're mad, you're ticked off, and you think that your brother, your friend, they're the problem. Mm-mm. Nope, nope. Nope. There's one enemy, and he wants to divide. He doesn't want us to be together. He wants us to be divided. And honestly, the way that we will unite around Jesus, it's not even the things that we like. It's not even our hobbies. It's not even our sports. It's not even our food or our houses or our kids, things we enjoy. Here's what will unite us. God at work inside of me, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm on mission with Jesus. I am a witness. And you look at somebody else and they might be different than you in a lot of ways, but Jesus is at work inside of them and they're on Jesus' mission. And you air fist bump and go, what's up? We together. You're my brother. You're my friend. There's a lot of walls right now. I think we as our church, if we can step into being not wall creators, tear them down, unite as the body of Christ, not fight one another, stand together, be together. We'll see Jesus do a mighty thing. He prayed for it, John 17. He wants it for us and it's, it makes us strong. It's God at work. Just place your hand on your heart. Let me pray for you. Father, in the powerful name of Jesus, I ask, would you fill us entirely with the Holy Spirit? Would we be a people filled with the power of God, united with the people of God to fulfill the purpose of God in our city, in our generation? We just confess, we live online. We live with fear of financial collapse. We're tempted to be angry all the time. We're tempted to be mad and divisive. And we ask Lord Jesus, come, do a work inside of us. Help us be on mission. 
care about people, love like you love, united as a church, together making a difference in Kansas City. Open our eyes to see people, people in the church, outside the church. May we be devoted to one another. And Father, today, I pray you would fill us with the Holy Spirit. If that's you and you just want the Holy Spirit just fill you entirely, like we read about here in Acts 2, just you and God, just a prayer, would you just say, God, fill me, Holy Spirit. I want all that you have for me. If you're here today and you wanna just give your life to Jesus, maybe 20 years ago you were a follower, maybe a decade ago, maybe you've never decided to follow Jesus, but today you're just like, I'm far from God. and like the prodigal son who got far from his father, I wanna run home to my father. If that's you and you wanna begin a journey with Jesus today, I just wanna invite you to pray this prayer. Just say this to the Lord, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus and I give you my life. Save me, change me. Do a fresh work inside of me. I turn to you. I don't want to go my way. I go yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, made a decision to follow Jesus, I'd like to invite you just to, if you're online, you could just tell us right there. There's a place, a button for you to click to say that you made a decision. We'll be able to get your information and be in touch with you this week. If you're in the room here today and you made that decision, I invite you just to email us at yes at radiantchurchkc. Let us know that you made that decision. There's a book called Your Next Step that I wanna send to you in the mail this week, uh, help you on your journey with the Lord. I also wanna help you get connected in community.